Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane. Today, we are going to Egypt for our second Cinderella story from around the world. Today, we are going to be reading Rhodopis and Her Gilded Sandals. Hear, O oh youth, Rhodopis, the rosy-cheeked, came down through the palm groves to bathe in the river Nile. Beautiful was Rhodopis, lovely as the day dawn, rosy as clouds of the morning. Her mouth was pure of evil speaking, her hands were pure of evil doing, her eyes were clearer than the stars. On the brink of the river, Rhodopis left her garments in a pair of small gilded sandals. Then she flung herself lightly on the sacred waves of the Nile. But as she disported herself, lo, there came flying toward her a wide-winged royal eagle. Hovering above the waters, he spied a sudden glistening amid the papyrus reeds. Down to the earth he swooped. He seized one gilded sandal, one beautiful jeweled sandal, and soared again to the heavens. Rhodopis cried aloud. She stretched forth her arms entreating. But already the eagle was lost to sight in the bright beams of Ra, the sun. Now it chanced at this very hour that there sat in the great square of Memphis, before the temple of Ptah, the young king of the land administering justice, and wearing upon his head the crowns of Upper and Lower Egypt. Before him one came dragging a husbandman, bound in chains. This fellow refuseth his tax, the tax collector cried. He refuseth the tenth of his harvest to thy granaries and to thee. The husbandman fell on his face prostrate before the king. Hail unto thee, he cried, great lord of truth and justice. Worms destroyed half of my wheat, rats laid waste to my fields. Little birds came and pilfered, hippopotami ate the rest. And when I had not wherewith to pay thy tax collector, the keepers of the door of thy granary came and beat me with cudgels. They bound me hand and foot. My wife they cast into chains, my children they left to hunger. Justice, O great king, justice. Then rose up the young king, furious like a panther, glowing as the sun god. And he cried to the tax collector, My majesty causes no child of tender age to mourn. My majesty spoils no woman. Thou shalt serve me no more. Be gone. And he bade those who held the husbandman to loose him and let him go with a small gift to his wife and children. But he sighed within his breast, and unto his own heart he whispered, The man is poor, yet doth he in his poverty have that which my majesty lacks, even a wife and children to bring me delight of love. For Pharaoh had found no woman yet worthy to share his throne, worthy to wear on her brow the royal asp of Egypt. But even as he sighed, there suddenly soared above the square, sweeping in mighty circles, a wide-winged royal eagle. 
The eagle hung for a moment, poised on the air above. Then, lo, from his beak there fell directly into the young king's lap a tiny gilded sandal, a maiden's small jeweled sandal. His majesty was astounded. He held the trinket forth in the palm of his powerful hand. In the name of Isis, he cried, what maid could wear such footwear, such small and dainty footwear? And he saw in the sandal the marks of the little foot. There rose in his mind a vision of what she must be like, who had once worn that sandal. A tiny, well-made, lovely maid, a lithe and graceful and willowy maid, a little one like a swift-coursing doe that bounded over the desert. "'Today my majesty heareth no more complaints,' he cried. Back to the great house, the perro, he went, born in the royal litter. And he called to his servants and said, "'Haste, and bring me the chief of the royal scribes.' And straight away they brought the scribe. The king said unto the scribe, Thou shalt write me a proclamation. And the chief of the scribes obeyed, and these were the words of the king. Let every maid in Egypt try her foot to this sandal. For my majesty makes decree that she whose foot it fits shall be my majesty's queen. Then the scribe went forth to the city, and a servant bore the sandal on a splendid cushion before him. In squares and public places the scribe read the king's proclamation, and straight away the ladies came flocking before the throne of the king in the square of the temple of Ptah to try on the little sandal. They came in goodly array, high-born maidens and low-born maids, daughters of nobles and daughters of blacksmiths, daughters of glass-blowers, daughters of goldsmiths, daughters of armorers, daughters of potters, daughters of generals, daughters of princes, virgins from Upper Egypt, the land of the serpent goddess, and virgins from Lower Egypt, the realm of Nekbet, the vulture. But never a one among them, never a single maid in all that vast array, could squeeze her foot into the sandal. The days passed, and days and days. The king was in despair. His heart grew weary with longing his heart that was stout as a lion's. Again and again he beheld the boat of the sun slowly rising, mounting the river of heaven, and creeping across the sky as with the pace of a snail. And yet the maiden came not, nowhere could she be found. He dreamt of her sleeping and walking, a tiny, well-made, lovely maid, a lithe and graceful and willowy maid, a little one like a swift-coursing doe that bounded over the desert. Then came to the king's chief scribe, even that very same husbandman to whom the king had of late forgiven the royal tax. And the husbandman said to the scribe, Go to the great sphinx by the pyramid in the desert. There cometh each day at daybreak to greet the rising sun, a maid as lovely as day-dawn as rosy as clouds of the morning. The scribe bore the news to the king, and the heart of the king leapt within him. My majesty goes tomorrow, he said, to the great sphinx of the desert. 
In the grayness of early morn, the king and the scribe set forth, while the first faint beams of Ra crept over the green Nile Valley to the sandy edge of the desert. So they drew near the Sphinx, where it rose in solemn grandeur out of the yellow sands. Slowly, the red ball of Ra pushed up its topmost rim, and a voice broke out on the stillness, lovely and clear as a birdsong, greeting the rising sun. Thy appearing is beautiful in the horizon of heaven. Thou fillest all lands with thy beauty. The birds fly in their haunts, their wings adoring thee. And Ra burst forth all at once, flooding the earth with glory, and touching with sudden light the figure of her who was singing. Rhodopis, lovely as daylight, rosy as clouds of the morning. The heart of the king leapt within him, and he took from the scribe the sandal, and crossing to the maiden's side, saying, Little one, daughter of morning, pray try thy foot to the sandal. But the maiden bounded away, shy as a doe of the desert, startled as game in the Martians. Twenty paces she ran, then slowly she halted, and turning, coming back, half reluctant, half willing. One slender bare foot she put forth, while the great king knelt before her and slipped on the little sandal. And the great king said to the maiden, My majesty sees in thee the beauty of day at its dawning, the freshness of lotus lilies opening their buds on the water. Thou art as a garden of flowers in the cooling of early breezes. From all the days of my life I would delight in thee. Be thou my wife and my queen." The maiden's eyes opened wide. She fluttered again as a game bird. Then sudden her heart was smitten for him who stood there before her, him who was radiant with courage, whose heart was stout as a lion's, who fed on truth and justice. Shyly she pulled from her girdle the mate to the little sandal and put it upon her foot. Then she placed her hand in the hand of the king, saying, "'Thine will I be, great lord.' Thou who shinest with strength, whose heart is stout like a lion's. The paths where we walk shall be beautiful, because we walk together. And the king gently kissed her lips, and they crossed the desert hand in hand, unto the city of Memphis, unto the great house, the Pero. Thenceforth, by the side of the just and merciful king, Rhodopis reigned over Egypt. Rhodopis lovely as day-dawn, who wore the small gilded sandals. This is just one version of the story that I've read. Another version I read uh, has Rhodopis as a Greek slave, actually, which is um, where in the story her Cinderella evil stepsister relationship comes from, um, which is one of the things I find fascinating about the series are the elements that travel from story to story and how they each have their own slight differences. So I hope you guys enjoyed this variation of Rhodopis and her golden sandals. And I will see you again next week, where we will be jotting off to a totally different country and a totally different Cinderella story.
Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane is produced solely through the support of my patrons on Patreon. To become a patron for as little as $1 a month, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash Celosia Crane. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to connect with me further, you can find me on Instagram at Celosia Crane underscore author. Link is in the show notes.